Hi, and thank you for tuning in. You know, I don't know anybody doesn't have a hard time understanding what leadership is about. It has changed in the 21st century. And because it has changed, you know, there's not a lot of information out there that pulls it all together so that you have the steps you need to be the best leader that you can. Leadership is all about influence. And this podcast is about helping you understand how to influence others and to build the collaborative team that provides you the inclusive, high-performing workplace that you are looking for. Whether this is the first job you've had as a leader, whether you're an individual contributor, or you've been in leadership for 30 years, there is something for you on this particular podcast. It's called Remarkable Leadership Lessons, shared by Denise Cooper and her friends. And if you like, you can always go over to my website and pick up other gems that will help you become a remarkable leader. Can you believe 2023 is upon us? Today um, is one of the days where my cohorts are my partner in crime, Pam Richards Brooks. Brooks Richards. I was you know, I only know you by your maiden name. Like I'm, I can't get you next to that one. How you doing, Pam? I am doing well and I am excited for the new year. It is a fresh start and a clean slate, and we get to make the best of it. Yes, every day, once a day. So you, if you have forgotten where you're listening, this is Closing the Gap or with Denise Cooper, and we are rebranding it to Remarkable Leadership Lessons with Denise Cooper, or Denise Cooper shares Remarkable Leadership Lessons. We, we, we're still, you know, just kind of putting it up in the air, but mostly what we do here is that we, we talk about the things that for the most part, you know, we all know, but how come we're not doing better? Why, what is it about we know better, but we don't do better that really keeps us from being the best that we can possibly be? And so that is kind of the core of what the, the podcast is, as well as we explore different topics, what's new on the horizon, et cetera. But it's all really about how you can take these things in one step at a time, just consistency and that way you can achieve the kind of life you can be the person that you want to be. You can show up your most courageous, powerful uh, self that is possible at this time in your life. So with that, you know, with a new year, Pam and I have been talking about this whole idea of, you know, last month we were grateful. Um, this month it's about gratitude and how do how do we express gratitude, quote unquote, you can't see me with air quotes, appropriately in the workplace and with others? And is there a difference? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then why is gratitude and appreciation more important for us than it is for other individuals? Why should you even care about this topic? Yes, I can tell you about all the research, and we probably will talk about some of the research, but does this really matter to your health, your mental wellness, to your life at all? So don't know. As you know, um, Pam is my partner in crime here, and we have been working together for almost a year doing this podcast. So Pam, it's now 2028, 2022. Three. I know I'm going faster and faster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's your superpower going to be this year? 
I want to say the superpower is to be more conscious about doing the things that bring me joy. Ooh, ooh. Okay, so thinking through that, why is that important to you? Because as we were going to be talking about with gratitude, when you do the things that really trigger that innermost value, passion, and things that you do, you're energized. And you provide an energy for others. And at the same token, when we lead with that, we create a more grateful space for us to be in. And we can love what we do, love where we work, love the people we work with more because we're making more conscious choices. And I think the other subtle part of that, as I think we talked about in a prior podcast, is it takes you operating from a place of integrity. And when we operate from that place of integrity, we have pride. We get the dopamine rushes for doing the things that we just feel good about who we are. And when we don't, the opposite of integrity is dissonance. And when we're operating in a state of dissonance, unlike any other emotion, like anger or frustration or guilt that we could like, oh, that's what it is and we'll go away. Dissonance will hang with us. And it is that annoying little uncomfortable feeling that God, there's something else I should be doing, or I just don't feel good about myself, or this isn't, this is just not what I want to be doing. And so how do I consciously take the effort to go, I could do that, but it's not going to bring me joy. And I could do this other thing and it's going to bring me more joy. So I'm going to try to do 10% more of these things and 10% less of those other things. And it, and it doesn't have to do with skill because I could be really talented in something. My brother's a programmer. Love my brother. And I will tell you right now, his job is killing him. Mm. Is he good at what he does? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Does it bring him joy? Not at all. I Every time I talk to him, he is so freaking stressed out. It is eating him up. It's interesting. I, I One of my recent um, coaching sessions or clients was with a woman who she had taken on a new job and within six months, she kept saying that this place um, steals my peace. I have to protect my peace. What do I need to do to protect my peace? Because my peace is my joy. My joy is my mental wellness. And I don't know that any job is worth doing that. So when we're talking about quiet quitting, when we're talking about, when people are talking about all those things, What pops in my mind now is her face when she was sitting there in agony talking about, I've never been um, without my peace in in my latter part of the year. And it is so important to me. And I asked her the question of, is it you've lost your peace because you don't have joy in the work you do? And she said, no, I love the work that I do. But the colleagues that I work with don't bring me a sense of of appreciation for who I am as an individual, that they want me to change and become this really nicey, nicey kind of flighty individual who goes around and everything's always good, even in the face when things aren't good. And we really need to focus on what is it going to take for us to get from where we are now to where we need to be? 
And we have to talk about you're not making your numbers. You're not making this. You don't know your job. You don't know the process. And it was funny because in a 12 months prior um, or the 12 months since she'd been there, um, well, she'd only been there like six months. But in that 12 month period, which engulfed her six, 26 out of 29 people had left. Ouch. Whole brand new team. And of course, HR and the CEO couldn't figure out what was going on. In fact, they were almost oblivious to the fact that 26 out of 29 had left. And here is this woman who moved, you know, to take this job and was talking about my peace is more important than anything. And it isn't about they don't appreciate me. They want me to turn into something else. And that's what she defined the appreciation as wanting me to turn into this other person to please them. And I think that brings up, I know when we first started before the the recorder went on, we were talking about the difference between appreciation and gratitude. And I think it is a subtle but deep difference. Yeah. I can go, oh, thank you, Denise. That was great. Which is that, if you will, sticky nice. Like I'm I'm giving you praise. I'm telling you, nice job, attaboy. But when it's not heartfelt like gratitude, mm-hmm. it is a huge difference because to me, gratitude is like, God, Denise, I just really appreciate you sticking with it because I know it's difficult and there's you know a lot of new people around and it's just so great to see you show up. How different are those two statements? And one, you feel seen and heard for who you are. And the other one is like, a little slap on the back going, yeah, get to it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think you can show appreciation and gratitude, appreciation. So to mm-hmm. me, what I hear is appreciation. You appreciate me. But mm-hmm. I think gratitude is a state of being. That I have to be open enough mm-hmm. to hear and to accept that someone appreciates what I've done, who I am, and, and in particular, not what I'm doing, but who I am. And that opens mm-hmm. up for me the state of gratitude. And I often, you know, I often wonder if a- appreciation isn't the action that we take, but gratitude is the state of being that I am in. That's a good way to so describe what, it. Because when you yeah. see a lot of the research, there's a, a book out right now, or actually it came out in 2020 called Leading with Gratitude mm-hmm. as Eight Leadership Practices. And it was by Adrian Gostick and Chester Elton. And when I look at it, what's interesting is it, it says, here's what you need to do. And it will list out these things that you can do. And yet, what are they? They're appreciation, they're tasks, they're, they're doing stuff. When I read books about people that want to build their gratitude. It is a task, like keeping a journal and writing down the things that you are just appreciative of. And it's that digging deeper. And Mm -hmm. I want to say really not just going, Oh yeah, like that's really cool. That that, I'm good for that. But what is it that really you're appreciative about? You know, it's Mm -hmm. kind of like almost having a child's eye to some of the things that you see, like you're seeing it for the first time, which is just like, oh, my God, I'm so grateful. And sometimes it comes too from having been in a state of not having something or having something Mm -hmm. taken away that makes you go, oh, my God, it just opens up 
the lens and says, oh, I've been taking advantage of this for so long. I, I didn't even realize how grateful I am for X, Y, Z until it disappeared yeah. or what that individual has done. And so it's putting on that lens of what's the deeper something that we, we go that step deeper and really have gratitude. And it's, a, it becomes a mind shift. It's mm-hmm. not, we physically do it. It's kind of like an exercise. We're going to, we're going to do it. It's like training people to change their conversation and how they talk. It, it's really awkward at first and kind of uncomfortable, but somewhere along the line, it starts to sink and it becomes a part of us mm-hmm. and we just see things very differently. Yes. And it, it's almost wispy in the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. When I work with um, people and leaders, because, you know, I think we put too much, too much power in the hands of leaders to determine who we are and how we're going to show up. And when I, when I sat and listened to this woman talk about her inner peace and how that's who she was and that she moved. Now, when, you know, you can't tell it, I couldn't tell it on Zoom, but when I met her, you could feel the peacefulness in her and the mm-hmm. agitation as she described the work environment and the people she worked with and how they were always doing things and they wanted each other to be like each other. And it brought up this whole idea of culture fit in the oh. workplace. <laughs> and, you know, I know now, you know, there's new research going on that the idea of culture fit actually is the opposite of creating great places to work because right. it's, it's more like what this woman was experiencing. I have to be like you versus how can we learn to appreciate people based on the values that we hold and our alignment around our integrity? Are we living our values? Are we coming from a place of I am leading myself? I am setting the right boundaries. I am making the right decisions. I am interacting with people so that they understand who I am. The whole idea of, do you expect people to read your mind? Intention is invisible. Behavior is not. Each of us judges based on behavior, not our intentions. We say one thing, we do another. We say we want transparency, yet it's not really transparency because there are always parts of us that we just don't talk about for lots of reasons. I think it's the tough part. You know, I've I've read several articles too recently, that whole idea of, of culture and culture fit. You know, everybody's like, hire for culture and that no... Hiring for culture creates a culture fit issue because now we want people to fit what it is. Then they go hire for diversity. And then when you bring them on board, we try to get them to fit the culture, which is working against the diversity issue. And so how is it that we actually honor the diversity? How do we honor the people? And I think it comes from the ability to empower people to be able to be themselves. And yet there's just, God, it, it, it's this subtle difference too. I mean, um, when we, we talk about psychological safety, cause we need psychological safety to be ourselves. Right. And, right. and, and Brene in her, one of her recent podcasts talks about, but is psychological safety actually possible? Because that means that you're guaranteeing the actions of somebody else and you can't. And so what we're trying to create are brave spaces 
so that people go in with a realistic understanding of what's there and not there, but that people feel like they know how to show up or know how to put boundaries down or express a boundary or express things that they need to in order to operate from their place of integrity. Yeah. And, and they get to bring a, at least a, a, a modicum of their emotional self to work. Because when I, when I, I think about psychological safety, that's still something very much about how I view the world. Do I view the world? Do I, do I view this interaction with you as a space that I can be safe? That I can I can be my whole self in there, and so organ you know this idea of and I think maybe that's what Brene Brown was trying to get to is you know as we evolve in this and we really dig deeper, double click on these ideas. If we believe that how I feel leads to how I think, which leads to how I behave, then I have to feel. I have to own what I feel. I have to be able to name it claim it and, you know, know how that is showing up and the story that I'm telling that justifies how I'm feeling because that dictates my behavior, right? Then our interactions can only teach me whether this is a safe space for me to be who I need to be. When I'm frustrated, can I actually show frustration? When I'm happy, can I actually show that I'm happy? If I come from a different country, and I'm in America, or I'm in, you know, I'm in Japan, or I'm in China, or I'm in, you know, a different country, do I feel brave enough to be the person I want to be, even in that still honoring and listening and and, and taking, but that's also an inner piece of the work that I have to do to even show up in these places. And it's twofold because you just talked about how you've got to own everything that leads to behavior. And yet at the same token, we know that if we start to shift behavior, behavior can also change our thinking. Mm-hmm. So think about that, that person who feels like they've got to conform and I have to be something. They're subtly changing pieces of who they are. And when that works its way back up the other way, then they have that dissonance. It's like, oh God, I just don't like who I am. I don't. And so it goes both ways. At the same token, I can subtly start shifting my behavior because my environment, I know, appreciates me, wants me to be a better person, and I'm becoming a better version of who I want to be in that space. Well, now those shifts in behavior going up the line are falling in line with what I want Mm -hmm. instead of going against what I want. And Mm -hmm. so it kind of goes both ways, which is, again, that subtlety between the appreciation, which indirectly is the start to show of gratitude and that ability to be able to show up and go, God, I just, I know that I am recognized for my distinctive attributes or I'm recognized for my specific inputs versus generically going, oh, you got the job done. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's, it's interesting because everybody wants that that space. Right. But not everybody's willing to do the work. And I think there's that, that part of soul searching. And, you know, as I said, I I just want to do more of those things that bring me joy. Well, the only reason I can say that is because I have been doing in the past six months so much diving deeper, if you will, cleaning house in my own 
cell space, let alone my physical space. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Um, and it was all spurred by the death of my mother, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I know you've been a caretaker too, but there's that moment where you realize how much of your identity has been wrapped in something that you've had to do right. because it's important and it's a necessity. But then you step back and go, God, I didn't realize how much that was taking from me. I, don't, I didn't realize what effort that was. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to work through that whole grief process and come out the other side and go, God, I'm grateful for having had that time. I'm not mm-hmm. looking about it as regret or chore or how awful, but I'm looking at it from that. It was the best thing that I could have done. And I think some of it is coming up out of it is, you know, because for me, what what helped me get through it was my work. The fact that I could coach people, I could sit, I could listen, and I can help them identify those things that get in the way, right? Yep. And yet when my mother passed, my whole identity was wrapped up in being a caretaker and having to redefine who I am in my work and also I'm going to interrupt you. I don't think your whole identity was wrapped up in being caretaker. I would say a big chunk of it was because that part of you that was coaching is also your identity. It just wasn't sure. Yeah. But see, I'm not sure because I also thought that was caretaking. I really had to work through this idea of what was caretaking and separate those pieces Right. So I didn't get to, you know, it's been it's been a long journey um, in terms of being able to say that the work that I do now and because I'm not sure that it wasn't a part of caretaking at that because it was such an automatic part of who I was at that particular time. My journey now is not so much about caretaking, but how do I help you develop self-care? Mm. at work the subtle Uh, mind shift of two sides of the same coin but when you look at it from the other side the intent and the purpose and everything else just is freeing and enlightening and and that's where the gratitude comes from right in turn for because that's for me is an internal thing so my work the the results of my work, even when I'm putting in, you know, a process and that work and I see people go, oh, wow, this is I really appreciate that. Or I, I don't know how you could get this done or whatever those words. There was a point when they felt hollow to me. I expected people. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did good work. I know what good work is. I expect you to acknowledge my good work. But there's a difference from moving from acknowledging that good work to being able to receive it as a gift from someone else, which is what I think that internal mechanism of appreciation is. And I think that's a really good point to make because I, I know people that when you go and you express gratitude for them or what they've done, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people who go, Oh, no, you don't have to tell me about that. I'm, I'm yes. fine. And, and, and they reject that moment of, of that something and I find it really interesting because th- those individuals also have a hard time giving it to other yeah. people. Well, I don't need it. So you shouldn't need it. No, I didn't. I don't. And so it's, it's an interesting wall to break through mm-hmm. to realize that we also have to learn how to accept mm-hmm. with grace mm-hmm. when people have expressed appreciation and gratitude for something that we have done. Appropriately or inappropriately. As a caretaker, we, we have a role. That's our role. Like, it's okay. Don't, 
don't worry about it. You know, don't worry about the pre like we're in role mode and we are mm-hmm. just rotely doing that versus stepping back and going, God, no, that's just really been amazing. And thank you for, and then to be able yeah. to accept that. Really accept it. Take that pause to let it sink into your heart. It's a whole different skill set. And and for me, I had to learn how to slow down enough and to know to be more intentional. I think that's what it was. It was the pause, but the pause was with intention. Right. To be to, to be able to hear it. And I was, you know, it, it was a journey. You hear it and you oh, thank you. Oh, kind of thing. And then you go, oh, oh, you know what? I'm going to just be quiet. And, and then they say oh, that gratitude is the gift to the person giving it mm-hmm. versus sometimes the person receiving it. And that's the difference of appropriate appropriateness. You know, if you think about it, some people like words of affirmation. Some people like showing some people like, um, you know, to be hugged, you know, that kind of thing in a world where we're, you know, we have to ask permission now to even be in people's space because that really is the right thing to do is ask permission. Do you mind if I give you a hug? And and if the person is kind of, then say, okay, but I just want to show my appreciation. What else can I do? What else would you need? And then us taking the, you know, we think about journaling and lots of people say, hey, the way to get to gratitude is through journaling. It didn't really work for me so much um, because I've got a busy mind and uh, that just, uh, that wasn't a good thing for me. But what I could do was I could sit and be intentional about how I'm feeling and name, you know, the work we did together and, and learning, you know, Benet's book, the newest one, which is the Atlas of the Heart, actually sitting and going through and saying, okay, so where do I feel this emotion in my body? When would I come up remembering when these emotions happen so that I could name them and not have the wrong story when they were happening to me? And it will be subtly different for different people, but it's that recognition. And I think the other thing, I've given a 13-week class on Atlas of the Heart where I just dive chapter by chapter. And every week that I gave it, people were just, there was the moment of awe. Like, I thought I knew that emotion. Wow, the depth of understanding that is so different. And it's it's subtle, but it's huge in the way that you think about it, the way that you process it. And, and I think the whole part of that whole Atlas stuff too is that as we start understanding that, we can find ways not to eliminate the unpleasant. And I'm not going to say bad emotions because they're not bad. We have every gamut of emotion for a reason. And it's kind of like stubbing your toe. It's going, ow, you've got a problem. Mm -hmm. Think about it. What's going on and how do you resolve it? There were people every week, it would just kind of hit them and go, God, I really needed that this week. This is like a complete new understanding. And I feel okay now about this, or I, I didn't realize I was mislabeling this or you know, that concept. And so it again is how do we understand? How do we then have that ability to move through and make sure that we're bringing more positive emotions that we want to see into place? Yeah. Last month was, and this month again, is performance reviews in many organizations. And the Mm. gift of feedback is is an interesting two sides of one coin, but as I'm writing notes to my organization, because we're 100% remote, I went back to something that defined, you know, what are the fatal flaws in us? And I just want to kind of go, they list 10, 10 of them, that's good. 
specific performance problems within the business, insensitivity to others, abrasive, intimidating, bullying style, hold aloof, arrogant, four is betrayal of trust, five is overmanaging, failing to delegate or build a team, six is overly ambitious, thinking of the next job, playing politics, seven is failing to staff effectively, eight is unable to think strategically, nine is unable to adapt, to a boss with a different style and 10 is over-dependence on an advocate or a mentor. And as I was thinking about today's podcast and I was thinking about those 10 derailers, um, things that will keep you from being your best self, being the best executive, each and every one of them had one thing in common for me. And that was not the the inability of that individual, whichever one of these is it, to be told or to be open to appreciate feedback that might not feel good, and then to do something about it versus um, defending ourselves from the perception. But I think that's a difficult process, which really entails a pause. Because I will tell you, I, I really need feedback. When I come out the other side of it, I take it to heart, I change, I, I make differences. But in that moment, I still feel really awful. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a boss and she said, how do you like your feedback? He said, give me it to me direct. And she gave me some direct feedback. And I sat there for a moment with kind of tears rolling up in my eyes. And she goes, I thought you wanted direct feedback. And I said, I do, but it doesn't make it any easier. Right. right? Doesn't mean I'm not going to feel it. It doesn't. Right. It does, because I take such pride in it. That's why I'm going to feel it. And then I'm going to work through it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's what is the story that we tell ourselves when that feedback's done? Mm-hmm. If we go, oh God, my boss hates me. She thinks I'm awful. Mm-hmm. We're going to go down a rabbit hole. But if we go, my boss believes in me and she's giving me something that's going to help my career, I'm still going to feel bad, but I'm going to take that information very differently. And so it's interesting in the book on gratitude, one of the things that they talk about is that we have to note when people use what they value to live into company values so that they're expressing who they in the process of expressing who they are. They're also meeting whatever it is that the company is in line with. So you can talk about the feedback. We're, we're working on that right now where I'm at ASU about getting people to express what is it that you really value, how you used your values recently mm-hmm. to do it. And the other part that comes back to is very similar to our certification that we had in conversational intelligence. It's the Mm -hmm. story. And that when we have the ability to create the positive story around it or to express that story of how somebody lived their values and did stuff for the team, Mm -hmm. that story that actually creates more impact and excites more emotion and feeling in people than just going, ah, that was great, Denise, thanks. Yes. Let me share how Denise actually did that. Let me share the details of what Denise did mm-hmm. that really made that something out. And now you've taken the same incident, but you've really flushed out to a story process what that means. And that story is what connects in our head and connects the emotion in our head. And we see it and we feel it different. Mm-hmm. I go, oh, I can do that. I can do what Denise did. Wow. Obviously, we can go on forever, and we're at the end. Uh, For everyone listening, thank you so much for joining us. What would be your last words today, Pam? 
Uh, you want me to do a short one. Um, <laughs> I, it, like I said, you know, as you asked me what my thing is that I want to do more things that bring me joy. And a part of that is being grateful for different mm-hmm. things, because I know when I can express my gratitude in even sometimes the little things that I would do for somebody where mm-hmm. they know that I've taken the time to really think about what's important to them you know, whether it's a small act of kindness or any of those type of things, that's what brings me joy. But it also, that person just goes, she didn't just get me something. She did something that was really important to me. Mm -hmm. And so what are those things that we go into this new year, so to speak, and the pay it forward, where we can take a moment, not just to express the saying of, Hey, that was great, Denise, but the one step further where they actually get the feeling by what we say or do again, you know, the five love languages, how is it that they feel yes. connected with and to do it through their means of how they feel connected that one yeah. step further. And yeah. that creates the connection will change world. I think for me, it's, it's um, I'm going to put it under curiosity, the ability to kind of sit and notice where it's hitting me, but also to listen with intent for the meaning behind what this person is doing for me. That way I can hear that which is hard to hear, mm-hmm. but I can also accept what should be easy to hear. You know, <laughs> oftentimes I can hear criticism a lot easier than I can hear appreciation. <laughs> I'm wired for that, baby. And so I think this year is really a learning to listen from a place of, you know, whatever a person feels comfortable telling me, even in their anger, even if they say it the wrong way, hey, it doesn't reflect me, reflect on me. It's something for me to consider and judgment, do all what I need to do with it. But to actually listen to, to where they're coming from, where their heart is, and to not read their mind. To be curious enough to ask the question of, so where'd that come from? Excellent. Yep. All right, guys, you know what I'm going to tell you. If you liked it, share it. If you didn't like it, share it, because I guarantee the conversation that it generates will help you take the nuggets out of here and close the gap between where you are now and where you want to be to be the person that you want to be. I appreciate you. And I know for some that will sound hollow because that's what people say on podcasts. But I wish there was a way that I could tune you in to let you know that both Pam and I appreciate the time that you have spent with us and that we really are open to hear your questions. And so if you've got questions, you've got comments, leave a comment wherever you're listening to the podcast, but as importantly, go to the website, remarkableleadershiplessons.com and leave a comment there so that we know that you're out there listening and that what we're giving you is something that is remarkable for you. Well, as I said before, this is a wrap. Hey, thank you so much for following me. And if you really, really want to make things better and help me get the word out, please go like this wherever you're listening to your podcast. Follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. All of that's in the show notes. And for doing that, go to my website and click on the uh, network and you'll be able to get some free gifts that will help you figure out how to be the best leader that you can be. As I always say, if you like it, share it. If you don't like it, share it, because I guarantee it will definitely help you become the most remarkable leader you can be.